0: Of the Clone Wars strikes back. We're a little bit late, late this week, but not to worry. We are here. We are here to discuss the Ryloth. arc. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, is Kieran. Kieran, how are you this week?
1: I am. I'm very, very buzzing for this. I have to say, um, on relation to the whole Netflix release yes. of the Clone Wars, I've finally been able to watch. These episodes, of this particular art, the Ryan-off art, on Netflix, and I have to say, it looks fantastic. Um, so I'm sure you've done something similar as well, Dominic, watching oh, yeah. these episodes.
0: Yes, yes, I pulled out my my Blu-ray for the season one five collector set to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that's the thing. I feel like I've behaved for the Clone Wars like three times now. I've got all the <laughs> I you know, I bought each season as it came out. I got the, the collector's edition for Christmas, so I guess I didn't tactically pay for that one. Somebody else did. And then, of course, there's Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> it's like three times. Not to mention all the episodes I bought on iTunes. So um, nobody can accuse me of not doing my part to save the Clone Wars back, <laughs> back when that was a thing. But yeah, so you mentioned it, the, <laughs> the bonus content, aka season six, aka The Lost Missions, came out on Netflix this since we recorded our last episode. And so... Uh, we're not going to talk about those in depth we're going to save those for as they would be in the timeline Uh, but what just overall just general thoughts what do you think
1: i was so so impressed the quality of it on netflix because i have to admit before the clone wars came out i'd never used netflix because i never thought i had a reason to it's a bit like with the blu-ray when star wars came out in blu-ray then i decided (laughs) to go and get the blu-ray dvds and PlayStation, etc. But yeah, no, it's, uh, the format I think is absolutely fantastic. There's no Cartoon Network adverts.
0: Yeah, <laughs> You just have
1: to watch it, and it, it's right, right there in front of you. And I just thought it was absolutely fantastic, and all of the arcs and uh, were, were great. But I, I, I completely agreed with your point on the uh, Star Wars Underworld last last podcast when you said that uh, there's really it, it's an arc. You don't have to wait weekly. It's all there. And I think that really makes it that much more smoother and that much more uh, engaging for the audience because you take it as an arc rather than episode by episode. Um, and I, th- I think that really is going to help uh, the popular reception because then people aren't going to complain and say, well, we've got to wait till next week and I don't like this particular part. It's all just one. It's like a, a mini movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think Netflix and, and, or just being able to watch these episodes as arcs is the way they should have been shown from the beginning. Like, that is the perfect way to do this stuff, and it's just a shame it took until the last 13 episodes for that to become a thing. But, you know, I, I guess when you look back to when it started, 2008, Netflix was still just a DVD service at the time, I think. So there wasn't really this online format for them, so... Who knows? You know, I kind of wish that Rebels would, would go to this kind of format where they would mm. release arcs or just have longer episodes <laughs> instead of just 22 minutes. You know, need a little bit longer, but yeah, no, these arcs were fantastic. Um, the Yoda arc looked phenomenal on the big screen. I got to go to the Canadian premiere, and it was amazing. Uh, it looked so good up there. And yeah, um, Kieran mentioned the Star Wars Underworld podcast for last week. That was a super mega cast, <laughs> two, <laughs> two and three quarters hours of Star Wars podcasting, featuring interviews with Steven Stanton, who, who of course played Captain Tarkin, um, Moralo Ival, and Massameda, all kinds of other characters on the Clone Wars. He came on for the first twenty five minutes, talked with us about that, and then later on in the show, you heard my interview with. Matt Wood, who played Grievous in The Clone Wars End Episode 3, and is the supervising sound editor on Episode 7. So, of course, we talked a lot about that, and that was recorded at Toronto Comic-Con, which would be two weekends ago, I guess, now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so definitely check that out. You can find those at uh, by going to the Star Wars Underworld Facebook page, website, Twitter, anywhere, pretty much anywhere where you follow that, and you can hear that. It's a good show, and I recommend it highly, I get, not just I get... because I'm on it. <laughs>
1: I guess I have one question, and how how did you watch these episodes, Dominic? Was it a, a total binge-watching all of them at uh, once, or did you do it arc by arc? It was kind of,
0: it, it was broken up a little bit for me just because of the way um, that weekend was. I saw the Yoda oh. arc first, because the, it was for the premiere. Yeah. And then, so I, I thought, well, the Yoda arc was supposed to be the finale, and it sort of felt like, just looking at the arcs, that they were these two sort of big, important bookend arcs. The Order yeah. 66 and the Yoda arc. So I thought, well, since I saw the Yoda arc first, I should save the Order 66 arc for last. <laughs> so yeah. that was a, a, a crazy weekend because I, I went – I traveled into Toronto on the Thursday for the uh, for the premiere from where I am going to university right now. But then I had to go back to school on Friday for <laughs> – classes and, and stuff because you know i don't want to fail i want to grow up and be smart and all that <laughs> um and so while i was there i had a little bit of downtime between classes so i watched the jar jar arc um and then i went and i traveled back to toronto did the first day of comic con and then after that uh I, you know was at my parents house had the big screen tv with netflix hooked up through the xbox and just sat back and watched the the clovis arc and the uh, the Order 66 arc. So I kind of, sort of, binge-watched Not Really, you know? Uh, <laughs> how about you? How did you watch them? Just all at once, or did you break them up a little bit?
1: I, I, I decided to start off by breaking them up a little bit, but it didn't end up that way. <laughs> Basically, I watched, the, I watched the Order 66 arc, and I thought that was a phenomenal arc, and I can usually tell how how well-received an arc is, based on my personal experience, if I can Watch it and then have a break from it because I'm digesting everything that I've seen on the screen. And I thought Order 66 arc was absolutely fantastic. I then yeah. next day watched a Clovis arc. So this was a Friday. Then on a the Saturday, I watched a Clovis arc. And again, I thought that was a very, very good arc. And then it got to Sunday and I just watched a Jar Jar arc. And I decided I'm not really satisfied with this. So (laughs) I decided I'll just watch the next one, which was The Lost Ones um, Mm. uh, with Cypher D, and we won't talk about that in in detail. But that that came on, and then I thought, that's it, I'm watching the others now, I can't just leave (laughs) it at this. So uh, I ended up binge watching about the last six episodes, but I think it was worth it. Uh, even though I stayed up again till three a- at three a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I seem to watch these so late at night, but um, I, that was that was the way I decided to go about it. And uh, again, the the form the thing with Netflix, what it does is it, it just keeps you engaged because it'll go and say the next episode is coming up in five seconds, and you're like, yeah. Well, I can't really turn it off now, <laughs> so you just let it play. Uh, just
0: let it play. Yeah, that's the that's the genius of Netflix. It just start the next episode. You know, if if you had to get up and change the disc or even you know fiddle around with the remote, you might think, oh, you know, I I really should go to bed and I'll watch the next thing tomorrow. But Netflix is like, well, it's just gonna start in five seconds, so I, I might as well sit back and just, <laughs> ah, enjoy these Clone Wars episodes. But yeah, so. The Lost miss- Missions, I mean, fantastic stuff, I, I, and man, I can't wait to talk about those when we get to them. But today we are talking about the Ryloth arc, which is Storm over Storm over right Ryl- Let me say that again: <laughs> Storm over Ryloth, um, Liberty on Ryloth, and what's the third one?
1: Oh dear, Dominique, got it mixed up. It goes. Oh, I got
0: the mixed up. Oh no.
1: Storm over Ryloth, Innocence of Ryloth, all right. and then Liberty on Ryloth. So right. in, in fairness, you know what Star Wars is like, though? It's never in order. It's yes. four, five, six, one, two, three. And then in, in Dominic's case, it's the first one, the last one, and then the middle one, and something else in the middle <laughs> of all the time. So uh, I think uh, we'll go on. We'll stick to your format.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we'll start with the first episode, jump to the third one, come back to the you second know, um, We're going to go in order, and we're going to, Sort of talk about them as a whole. We won't break them up by episode too much. So do you have uh, plot descriptions for these episodes for us this week, Kieran? Yeah, let's
1: get this going. We've got the uh, synopsis for Storm Over Ryloth. Ryloth, homeworld of the Twi'lek people, has been subjected to military occupation by the Separatist Droid Army and surrounded by a blockade of Trade Federation battleships. While landing a surprise attack against the blockade, Ahsoka disobeys Anakin's orders and ends up losing most of her squadron. Even though she's emotionally rocked by this failure, Anakin helps her to persevere, placing her in charge of another risky attack. And the next one, Innocence of Ryloth. I apologize, are quite long, so uh, have a <laughs> cup of tea, come back in a minute. Um, with, with the space blockade, uh, are round Ryloth destroyed, Obi-Wan Kenobi must lead a small clone force into a droid-occupied town to sabotage their anti-aircraft guns. Obi-Wan's mission is complicated when he learns the town's inhabitants are being used as living shields. A pair of clones in his platoon forges an unlikely friendship with a refugee Twi'lek girl, Numa, who's been orphaned by the war and consequently the clones soon learn the real cost of war. And the final one, uh, we're finally getting there, on Liberty of Ryloth, is uh, the synopsis for this. The battle for the Twi'lek homeworld of Ryloth rages as the Republic attempts to drive off the occupying droid army led by Separatist leader Wat Tambor. With his forces stretched thin, Mace Windu must convince Twi'lek freedom fighter Cham Sindula to help him save the capital from the droid's destruction. Initially, the Twi'lek hero is hesitant to aid Mace, but ultimately realizes the Jedi can be trusted and joins with him to liberate the city and ultimately the planet in the climactic battle. There we go. Yes.
0: yes. <laughs> All right, so take a deep breath. <sighs> All right. Um, let's uh, start off with, as we usually do, with the initial impressions of the arc. What do you think, Kieran?
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed this arc. I think it's definitely one of the highlights of season one, I would argue, because it's always, it. it, it almost seems like, the finale of season one uh, mm-hmm. in terms of arc, We know Hostage Crisis comes next, but that's a standalone episode. This is like the big final battle. This is like the Battle of Geonosis in Episode 2, in my opinion. It's a lot of action, but it's also got a good story attached to it. So I I really do enjoy this arc, and it's certainly one, when I looked at the schedule, uh, I was very much looking forward to discuss because it's not just full of action. It has got a lot of themes in there that can be discussed. So I I certainly feel this is the one that uh stands out for me in season one and i really th- I, personally i think it's one that that takes the step up a gear in my opinion on the clone wars a bit like it did with grievous and the cloak of darkness arc this does as well in terms of epic battle scale so uh, what, what were your initial thoughts though dominic
0: yeah I, I like this arc there's a lot of good stuff we really get the reminder that clones are people and that you know the jedi treat the clones as people which makes it all the more sad when product. I mean, Order sixty six uh, gets called <laughs> in episode three because you know you see how upset Ahsoka gets by the loss of her troops, and we see Waxer and Boyle hanging out with Nuna and, and all that good stuff, and, and the clones. You know, with their kind of half friendly rivalry with the freedom fighters. It's, it's it's a really fun arc, and it's a lot of good stuff. And I agree with you; it really feels like this was the plan for the uh, end of season one. But they decided that to to stick on hostage crisis at the end, which, as we know, is not the next chronological episode. <laughs> we'll get but, to that at the at the end of this when we we talk about what we're going to do next week. But but yeah, so uh, let's jump into the first episode. We we see Ahsoka for the first time is commanding a mission, like she's in charge. She is Commander Ahsoka. I mean, shouldn't she be Commander Tano? Just saying. <laughs> um, I, no, I thought just... that
1: was. Not not if you're a Padawan, you still get called by first name apparently. So uh.
0: I guess yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's like one of those things when you know the the teacher has a really complicated last name, so you call them you know Miss Allison or or, or Mr. Phil, you know, because their name <laughs> is just too too complicated uh, for you know a six year old to pronounce. But I don't know. I think the clones should be able to handle Commander Tano. Not too difficult, but whatever. <laughs> if this was still at the you know. Kitty, kitty portion of it. So they were still trying to think. We should aim this at the kids, and the kids might not know that her last name is Tana Although they had no problem with General Skywalker, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is such a minor, minor issue in all oh of this. I, I, lo- um, I love how this
1: always starts with a little Dominic rant. We've, we've had a couple of those at the last couple of uh, <laughs> yeah. podcasts, haven't we? We, we? we like to get the bad stuff out the way, here, folks. that's, that's Yeah, I, talk about all the good stuff. That's what that's what yeah. this purpose is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's something that, that bugs you just a little bit. We get to get it out at the beginning so we can just have fun for the rest of the time. So, yeah. But, uh, okay, so we see Ahsoka getting her first mission and she kind of screws it up. She doesn't follow orders. Um, so, and yet we see Anakin all the time not follow orders. So <laughs> we have this bit of a do as I say, not as I do thing between Anakin mm. and Ahsoka. Um, so, what do you think this says about Ahsoka's sort of Personality and Anakin's influence on her um, that she would, you know, essentially cost the life of pretty much everyone in her squadron. There were like two guys that made it back with her.
1: I feel that there's two different sides to this in terms of Anakin's point of view and uh, and Ahsoka's point of view. Personally, I feel that Ahsoka's a lot more remorseful about about the fact that these clones have died, whereas personally, I believe um, that Anakin, in a way... He's more concerned about the fact that they've lost a lot of numbers. He he, he says that in a quote. He says, I mean, he's a headcount today. I want to find out how many we lost. Um, I'm not saying that he doesn't have compassion for the clones, but clearly Ahsoka takes it a lot more a lot more to heart. And as it's labeled here, it is really her first mission where she's leading a squad for an inter... Really a, a huge, significant battle here because they have to break the blockade down if they're going to go into the planet. And uh, I'm sure we'll come on to the villain of the of that uh storm over ryloth later but clearly outwits uh it's, it's no it's finally not an inept <laughs> yeah. droid leader but finally gets outwitted and as a consequence obviously we you know what happens to clones die um but yeah th- i mean i did make a mention of that the uh the fact that anakin is being very hypocritical here it is it is certainly a do as i say uh, rather than do as i do um and and th- that's really the the, the, the trouble that i have with, with anakin when he says that first rule of war is to obey orders Well, <laughs> yeah. i don't understand where that's come from all of a sudden because i don't remember a time when anakin ever did follow orders um so so that in itself is the only thing that i guess is is against him and i, I really do sympathize with ahsoka in yourself a lot because um but she's clearly young she's que- she's clearly brash but
0: she, she, she also yeah, she's t- like fourteen. She's yeah. leading a
1: mission. <laughs> I know, I know, and and certainly the fact that she has taken up a lot of traits from Anakin is really what I gathered from this. She she was uh, very very, I don't want to say arrogant or haughty, but, but she certainly felt that she overestimated her abilities, her, uh, her talents, I guess, and that, and that really was what what cost the lives of the clones, and that's what really plays down on her. So. I completely agree when you say it's definitely a, uh, hypocritical for Anakin to, to then go and say that you, you should be following orders. But what's your view on, on, on the relationship between these yeah. two characters?
0: It's interesting. In, in this episode, it almost seems like Ahsoka challenges Anakin more. And it seems like Ahsoka teaches Anakin a lesson, whereas Anakin's teachings kind of failed Ahsoka because she was, you know, trying to be like her master, which is – a very natural thing to do we all try to emulate our mentors mm. and so she's trying to do this and instead she winds up having everybody killed which which sucks for her absolutely um but but at the same time she's the one who challenges anakin because anakin is like i'm just gonna come up with a plan we'll go in there but you know pew, 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 <laughs> and blast everybody out of the sky and it'll be awesome and then she's like no you can't do that and you can't go in there without a plan we already lost so many people and she really challenges him to become mm. or to be creative enough to come up with this <laughs> this really ingenious plan to fly the all but destroyed ship into the the separatist uh, cruiser
1: i mean yeah exactly uh, ahsoka has the the most complicated task here of actually devise, de- devising a plan to actually uh, break down this blockade uh, Anakin is just the one who goes in there, as you said, head first, and just goes, smashes into the, the Separatist or the, the Trade Federation control ship. But there's still four yeah. Separatist cruisers there, or six, I should say, actually, <laughs> that uh, Ahsoka's got to deal with. And uh, and, and, it, and you can really tell the clone officers are, are really ambivalent in their in their view of Commander Tano or Commander Ahsoka um, <laughs> in, in, in this episode because... Because they really question her orders and say, well, I don't know if we should do this. And, and then one actually says, well, normally we've got General Skywalker leading us in. The confidence really is low yeah. after <laughs> her squadron uh, has, has, has all been killed off. And then, and then that makes you think, why on earth would Anakin put her in that situation? But all right, I'll, I'll add on to this question to you then. Do you think this really helped Ahsoka grow as a character, though? Because she did stood up, she stood up for herself and said that, no... This is the pragmatic approach to take. This is what we're going to have to do. So what do you take about that?
0: Yeah, I I definitely think it it helped her grow because, you know, she she'd been through a couple of missions, but she hadn't really experienced a loss yet. She hadn't had her her best friend be blown up. You know, she hadn't had any of that yet. And so to see her go through that experience and then because of that, she's not going to sit by while Anakin just comes up with another plan that it's just as reckless. Um, so she she's ready to stand up to him, which is not something we've seen her really do before. Mm. Uh, you know, she challenges him to follow orders, and then she comes up with this plan. And while the clones aren't necessarily ready to follow her just yet, it's a good plan. And it's a successful plan, and because Ullarn comes in to stand up for her, um, you know they're willing to give it a try. And when it works, you know that's the whole thing. Like, well, Commander Ahsoka uh, came up with this plan, <laughs> and so maybe next time we should just trust her or you know they'll be more mm. willing to trust her in the future because she came up with this one ingenious plan that really saved the mission because things weren't going too well they had lost two cruisers uh you know they down a whole bunch of men it was you know things were they were on the verge of losing that battle quite mm. frankly you know? if 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 Anakin's plan hadn't worked or her plan hadn't worked Uh, Things would be very different in this arc, I I have to think. It was
1: certainly an amalgamation of those two plans that that, that helped. But again, it was a lot for Ahsoka to have to do herself. It certainly was an an, an ingenious strategy. And I I just want to quickly uh, final point on this, I guess, with the uh, ahsoka Rex relationship and and I like how you said that uh, they do begin to respect her as a consequence after this. And, and a line just popped me there. I don't know if you remember in the Citadel arc, but um, I think Tarkin is talking to Rex, and he he says something to the effect of, "Oh, why should we be trusting Commander Tano? She's just a child." And then Rex says something to the effect of, I, I, "I trust her with my life." And you really it really goes to show that examples like this really make the clones. A lot more uh, feel reverent towards Commander Tano, I guess, because they really, they really understand that she, she's not an inept leader like these droid commanders. She, she understands exactly <laughs> what she's doing, and and I think that that's an important stepping stone into her character growth.
0: Oh, absolutely. I. I, I... Definitely see where you're coming from. There's another thing that, that sort of ties into the Citadel arc in this one, which was the idea of taking a Republic cruiser and smashing it into another ship, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we saw at the end of – sorry, that's not the Citadel, the Citadel arc. No, yeah. me. That's at the end of the um, droid arc. Yes, Why, why am I confusing those <laughs> two? Why am I confusing those two arcs? I know. Are,
1: is there any comparison, I mean, though, in those two arcs apart from that?
0: Yes, but, uh, yeah. There's, there's, uh, the only connection I can think of is they both had Steven Stanton in <laughs> But other than that... That, that was the know.
1: highlight of the droid arc.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, quick story. I, uh, My brother, who came to the premiere of the, the, the Lost Missions with me, he was like... You know, he had... He watches the cloners, but he doesn't watch it as as you know seriously as we do. So he was like going through the season five box set, getting, trying to get caught up. And when I got home on Thursday, I got home several hours before the premiere, and he says to me, so I was watching these droid episodes. I'm like, what is going on? Why are they doing this to me? I don't like it. I'm like, well, you just watch the next one. It has the Republic Commando in it. And you watch that one. He's like
1: oh my god this is the greatest
0: thing ever <laughs> it's,
1: it's so true though that episode there what he's, what he's talking about it really don't i won't worry about it if i was him i didn't understand the episode i don't think anyone yeah. did if i'm being honest uh i don't <laughs> think i don't think there was anything to understand it was, was, was the point of yeah. that yeah
0: uh, sunny day in the void we'll get to that yeah. eventually um but yeah so uh yeah but going back to your point i absolutely think that you know this helped to uh you know, build Ahsoka and Rex's relationship, and that's a relationship that really got built up. You know, that really got started in the in the Clone Wars film because at first, you know, Rex was dismissive of her, and then you know, towards towards the end of the 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 events on Christophsis, uh, Rex sort of gave her the caller her com- commander, gave her some kind of props at, at the end of it. So it, it's you know, and this is just sort of the next step in that, and it builds up until where we see in season three, you know, Rex saying he was he was willing to trust her with his life which is, which is quite a <laughs> quite a thing yeah. for a clone to say absolutely um yeah so you mentioned him a, a second ago the uh the villain for this this episode Martuk, uh the nemoidian uh with a little spinning thing on his glasses <laughs> i never noticed that before i was watching it this time like oh that's a that's a neat little touch i liked quite like that and so he he seemed to have a lot of respect for Anakin, and he recognizes Anakin's ships. He's like, oh, this that's, that's Anakin Skywalker's ships. So we get the sense that Anakin is already this like big you know, hero for the Republic and the, the bane of the Separatists' existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what did you think of Martuk in, in these episodes? I
1: really enjoyed his character. I think he's one of my favorite favorite villains of season one because he really goes to show that he's a competent, really ta- tactful character. Strat- strategy master, if you see where I'm coming from there, because he he understands the concept of warfare and and he actually follows orders, unlike some people. When he's told, yeah, when he's told <laughs> to remain at the blockade, uh, a bit like I think I think I can have resonance, I guess, with Admiral Trench. Do you see where I'm coming from there? They, they both, yeah, they both uh, follow orders, and they're both tactically uh, nuanced, I guess, in, yeah, in like warfare.
0: Yeah, he's a competent villain, and he's not a silly villain. Exactly. You know? like some, and, and, and sometimes some of these villains are like, like, well, I could do this, I could do this thing that would win the war, or I could do this other thing that will screw me up. So I'll do the thing that that will screw me up, or they'll just be, it'll be like General Lockter, and they'll just be kind of funny and, yeah. and stuff like that. And, and but this guy was he was competent, and you know, smart enough to get into an escape pod at the end of the episode. Yeah. And I was, I really thought we would see him again. And and just to jump ahead a little bit to the. To the first episode of, of season six when trench is there mm. i would have rather it had been this guy I wanted trench mm. to stay dead yeah um, as creepy as trench was and as good as a villain as he was i i just don't know how he could have survived that i just i i don't know um so i i, I almost think that martook would have been a, a better villain for that little scene but you know i guess they they wanted to, to bring back trench and they wanted to redo his, his character model and trench was a very popular character mm. despite his you know 15 minutes of screen time <laughs> max so you know uh, yeah I, I,
1: cool that the, I would certainly say that it, both took and um trench have a similar reception in that in that regard with the fans i think i think fans in general did like martook and I, I actually think that the uh i guess the subservient villains to what tambor are a lot more competent than what tambor himself Wat tambor.
0: yeah that's, exactly <laughs> that's, that's
1: exactly what i found in, the, in this arc but I, I, I did enjoy um Martuk very much and uh, as you said i think it would have been it would have been nice because they did add that touch at the end that, that really gave the impression he would return but unfortunately that wasn't the case and uh you, it, it, I don't know I've got a lot of his lines here that I, I've written down because I just really enjoyed them so in you know if you're writing down uh, villains lines here I just i think it goes to show that he, he definitely stood out as as um as a standalone character but one that would have It'd have been nice to have seen return. So, I mean, it, where would you, I guess, rank him in in the season one villains that we've viewed so far? Would you Would you agree? Would you like? Do you like him quite a lot?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I think he's he's the best of the the one-off villains from season one. You know, he's he's better than 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 the other uh, lock Dirt, He's better than <laughs> Wat Tambor. He's better than just than just a tactical droid. Oh, what about Vindy? Flesh do? and blood. Blood and Vindy. And yes, he is much better than General <laughs> Vindy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would have, you know, I'm sure we'll find out in a few weeks that, that Martook would have been returning in, in season seven. Yeah. Uh, you know, there'll be some concept art on, uh, on StarWars.com. They'll just make us weep that the series is over. Um, anyway, <laughs> oh, no. we on to, oh, to no. happier oh, time. Ta- yeah. happy- yeah. Moving on to a little happier to- uh topic. I, I one thing I noticed that I thought was just quite funny in, in this arc was, you know, you had Anakin standing on a box, you know, giving orders and, and stuff and you know and the second he sort of hops down and tells Rex to, to take charge, Rex are sort of like really quickly climbs up onto the box like oh yes finally i've been waiting for my turn up here hey i thought that was a great little moment like like you know rex i'm sure could have done everything that ankin was doing from just the ground but you know he wanted his turn up on that box that's um, just a
1: symbol of where you are ranked in the army and yeah. that, that's what i take that as so uh, i'm sure they bring boxes to every mission
0: <laughs> of course of course um, and, and we also see uh, Yularen in this episode. We see him mm. like come to the, uh, to the the aid of Ahsoka after Ahsoka has, you know quite frankly caused him to have a pretty serious injury. Mm. Um, so what, what what do you think that says about Yularen's character or, or his, his relationship with Ahsoka? Because we don't have, we haven't really seen him and Ahsoka together very much, but he's willing to come to her her defense here. What do you think that says about his character? Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, it says that. He, he he understands the the consequences and uh, and strains of warfare. You have to make split decisions. Of course, he'd be disappointed that she didn't follow orders of Yularem, but I guess he can understand that when you've got Anakin Skywalker, uh, <laughs> who, who is your Jedi commander. But I, I thought it was a really nice touch, and I, I really do begin to to like his character a lot because because it generally seems like a benevolent character or a kind character with uh with many of the uh, the relationships he has particularly with the clones and the jedi commanders he seems to get a lot of respect and i really feel that it is really underused as a character in the whole um i mean he does he does show up and make a brief appearance in the bonus content but that's about it um but yeah I, I i really do appreciate the fact that he stands up for Ahsoka because she was certainly in a the corner there and i believe that if he had mm-hmm. not stood up for her then the strategy wouldn't have gone through so I I, yeah. I I certainly think that he he his role in this in, in this particular arc was was very very good. Um, and I'll, I'll pass it over to you now, Dominic.
0: Yeah, no, I I liked him. I I thought you know it was good that he came to her her defense. I I, st- I still don't really know why. <laughs> I mean, maybe he he knew what her plan was, which is of course we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that her plan is is based on something that that Grand Admiral Thrawn mm-hmm. did in uh in uh, Heir to the Empire. So, uh, but you know, he, he came to her defense. I guess, you know, he maybe he just believes in Anakin so much, you know, because we've seen a- him and Anakin, you know, do have a couple of missions together, like in Cat and Mouse and uh, how they took down Trench. So maybe he, you know, if he thinks, you know, if Anakin is willing to trust Commander Ahsoka, then, um, sh- then maybe I should as well. And he goes and goes to her defense and. It turned out to be the right call, mm. so he, he clearly is, is tactically sound in in that. But well, was,
1: was he awake um, in that in that medical room when ahsoka was there with him alone, and she was saying, "I'm very I, sorry." I love that.
0: Uh, I... I love that. It's such a it's, it's a cliche, but it's such a it's such a great one that you know the person is like emptying out their soul to the you know the unconscious person or the person in the coma and then they walk away and that person you know just opens like one eye I totally i i mean he didn't open one eye he opened both eyes but yeah i definitely think he was awake uh during that sequence i, I think he he heard everything she said and was you know receptive to it and was uh
1: I would just love, like, in the middle of that speech, he just he just replies, just be like, "Oh my god, I I thought (laughs) you were dead, (laughs) or something like that."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that would have been great, or or it Like be like in that episode of, of Faulty Towers for those of you that have seen, where Basil Faulty winds up in the hospital and he's you know pretends to fall asleep to get the doctor to leave the room, and the second the doctor leave the, leaves the room, he like opens this one eye and is John Cleese, so it's like done completely crazily and <laughs> realizes the doctor has gone and breaks out of the hospital. <laughs> um, I Guess you have to see it to get it. <laughs> I haven't seen that episode,
1: unfortunately, but I do like Faulty Towers, so I'll give that. Up.
0: Yeah you got to watch that one. It's the this one with the Germans. You gotta, uh, I don't know. Faulty Towers was on Netflix for a while. Oh, I'll have a look at but that. But I don't know if it's still there. Writing that down. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's, let's move on to the second episode now. Uh, so I think – is this the first appearance of the tactical droid?
1: Uh, No. Well, there was a brief appearance in Jedi Crash, but it's certainly the first oh, yeah. time that he become a he has become a prominent villain. Uh,
0: in yeah. Art. And, he, uh, and yeah, I, I quite like the the fact that we had a sort of a, a tactical droid as a prominent villain because, you know, usually we get the crazy little droids and there's a great line that's going to be one of my quotes uh, for the end of the show from one of the droids in this episode. But we see the tactical droid, um, uh, by contrast to these silly droids, is really evil. Mm. He's this great evil villain, and it was, and he's using the locals as as living shields for their guns. I mean that was Mm -hmm. a a, a very dark concept, and you know it was a very it was very interesting to see a droid do it because you know obviously droids can't feel things. So, I'm curious, what do you think of the tactical droid and and the idea of using the locals as shields? Yeah, I
1: thought that was was a very neat concept, to be fair. Um, I I thought it was quite interesting earlier when you you said that calling Commander Ahsoka was almost a bit kiddy. But I I would say far from it, this arc is kiddy at all. I think it's very, very dark. Oh, yeah. Uh, Obviously, using uh, these Twi'leks as living shields... Um, and 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 we'll come to it later. But there's a particular scene in the in the final episode that's also very very dark in my opinion. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think it was it was a very nice concept, and, and it was it was good to see that they're using other villains who one were competent and two malevolent as well. Um, and, and 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 Dave yeah. Filoni actually mentions this again in his featurette. When he says that uh, he definitely has the characteristics. He's calculating. He's intelligent. He's a bit similar to C3PO in a way. If, if C3PO was dark and twisted, <laughs> um,
0: but um, the evil C3PO. It, that is
1: what C3PO would I be if it. he had turned evil. Gosh, yeah, that would be. That would be. That would. That would, that would be, <laughs> the whole Star be Wars Quite the sight to see. Turned upside down, <laughs> then wouldn't it? Finally,
0: I, I think you've just discovered the villain for episode <laughs> seven. <laughs>
1: All that time with Han Solo, when he was uh, giving him jibes, it just got to him and he, he broke, he, it hit breaking point in his mind and said, that's it, I'm going to be villain now. That, that's it, that is the root yes. cause of all of this. Han Solo, it's you. That's why you're back in episode seven, I know it.
0: Yes. <laughs> that's to confirmed
1: Jeffy, you will be. Um
0: Yes, <laughs> well, uh, you know they confirmed today uh, as we're recording this. You know there will be some familiar faces in episode seven. That's the familiar face. It's just completely different than what you were expecting. C three PO, the villain.
1: <laughs> that is that could be very
0: very true. Very unlikely, yeah. but very very. Uh, I think we just I think we just pitched what would have been a great detour episode, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the one episode where C three PO loses it, and joins the Empire. Uh, oh man, uh, that would have been hilarious.
1: So. Sorry, listeners, we keep digressing. Um, we'll, go, we'll go back to the point about uh, the tactical droid. That's it, the tactical droid. And we're yes. saying, yeah, they're, they're all very unique, but they also serve a good purpose because, as we saw earlier in the in the very first arc, then they can be used to uh, uh, accumulate information if you break off the head and then you can read the data that they have in their mind. So I think, overall, just the concept of the of the ta- tactical droid is very, very cool. And you see... He certainly seems to be calculating when he, they seem to be downloading these data files. I don't know where they get these data files from, but Took did it with Anakin, and then uh, Anakin Skywalker, and the tactical <laughs> droid did it with Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, download is file. The whole It's like, yeah, it's, is it like the internet? You just go up, and you're like, let's have a look at Obi-Wan. Has he got a home page or
0: something? <laughs> go to his Wikipedia <laughs> page.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's have a look at his track record, then, so... When he, what was he doing when he was born? What was he doing as a paddle?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go to his Wikipedia, <laughs> I guess we should say. The page? Oh. And you know, you just see, you know, Anakin like he likes to go back when he's done uh, done a mission. He likes to edit his Wikipedia page. You know, change it, make sure that it's all up to date. You know, make sure he's the hero of the entire. Oh, I would love man. it. If
1: it were- We'll well, I'd love PDF. it if it was Twitter and, and Obi-Wan was constantly <laughs> updating. I am currently at Ryloth right now. And then he replies or retweets to Count Dooku or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Waxer and Boyle just picked up a, a uh, tweet like youngling. Hashtag shoot. Yeah. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> And then Cody saying, where are you, is a reply. Where are you? We're at yeah. this point. Come here. And then the tactical Droid's just looking at that just a bit, fishy.
0: Anyway, yeah, that would get rid of the need for the probe. <laughs> yeah. right exactly.
1: I think it'd be a lot quicker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, getting Yeah. Yeah. I was, was going to move on. <laughs> so one thing I thought was was really interesting was the clones, and they were calling the Twi'lek's tail tailheads, and it it seemed weird. And, and it, you're 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 a history guy, Kieran so I'll ask you: Are there can you think of, like, instances in, in history where sort of the liberating force is using a derogatory term for the people they're supposed to be liberating? Yeah, that's, uh, that's
1: quite interesting. But they put me in a history conundrum right there. <laughs> um, I quite like that.
0: Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Well,
1: I guess it depends on the purpose of it. I'm sure um, uh, empires, the British Empire in, in, say, Africa or Asia may well have been uh, – I wouldn't – well – it depends on exactly. It depends on the purposes of it. I, I don't think it would really happen. I, I can't think of an example on the top of my mind where that has been the case, other than unless they've been used for instruments for other purposes. Uh, but yeah, it was like for bigger purposes. So, alright, without going too long on history, but a, a, good, exa- a good example of that was uh, in it in 19th century, it, the Italians looked to be uh, to become the, the Italian nationalists. Sorry, wanted to become an independent state, and so they sought the help of the French to cast out the Austrians who were the major empire at that time. But yeah, I never saw anything in that to go and really reflect that the, the French were um, labelling the, the Italians as derogatory. They wanted territory as a consequence. That's why they helped. But anyway, sorry, I'm digressing there again. But the uh, yeah, I, it's really interesting. I don't understand why they called them tailheads. But uh, I think that just seems to be um, more like Boyle's character more than anything else because when he first saw Numa... He uh, was like, "Oh, I'm sure she's not going to do anything," and like tries to, I don't know, what does he trying to do again? He try tries to grab her or something, and then she just bites his finger. Yeah, it's just... yes,
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder if maybe it's a bit of Django coming coming mm. through the clones. You know, like that might be something that Django Fett would have said, um, and that's just you know a little bit of leftover from his personality that got cooked into boil a little bit too much. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it was it was just an interesting I- idea to me. Let's talk about Waxer and Boyle. Um, we see them in, in these these episodes. They're supposed to be you know two of the best, two of the best from the uh, the two hundred and twelfth, uh, and they go off to, on their sort of reconnaissance mission, and they meet Nuna, a- a- and you know, um, Waxer, I believe, was was sort of you know he wanted to help her, he wanted to you know take her with them, uh, you know. Whereas Boyle is a little bit more of okay, well, just just leave her. We've got a mission to do. We've got a you know, he, yeah. Again, again, Boyle coming through with a little bit more Django in him. Yeah. Um, whereas Waxer is sort of the softer, uh, you know, more car- caring character. Yeah. Um, and, and they and they meet Nuna, and she eventually leads them to the tunnels that that get them get them out of there. So I'm curious, what do you think of, of Nuna and, and her relationship with with Waxer and Boyle?
1: Yeah, you certainly get a different impression uh, of the clones, because it is clear that there's i uh, I'm going to use a big term here, heterogeneity, which basically means there's, there's, there's clearly <laughs> divide, because obviously... Boyle and Waxer are completely polarized personalities in, in how they tackle this situation here. One, as you said, is really pragmatic and says, right, we've got the mission to fulfill here. So we've got the mission to fulfill here. Let's try and say that five times. Can't say that, right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, he, he's so pragmatic about his approach. Whereas uh, Waxer's a lot more, as you said, compassionate, wants to look after this this, um, this Twi'let girl protector uh, because obviously it's an innocent of war. That's no doubt why it's called innocence of Ryloff, i guess um yeah so <laughs> I, I we've uncovered the title that, that's <laughs> it, the <laughs> <secret> <laughs> underlying theme um so yeah, I, yeah. I, I completely see how their relationship has evolved and it's good to see though that the does come around to it though by the end he really does care for the child as well uh when it, when he, he, he's saying goodbye but like, in a way, I feel like she she took more to that as a consequence because, obviously, he's almost like the cool cool oh, cousin or something like that. Right? Someone that you really look up to, the older cool cousin. Uh, and that, that's kind of where yeah. I would see uh, Boyle as. And I think it was good to see their relationship progressing. And we do see them in future episodes. So what was your take on the, on the relationship between Waxer Boyle and Nuna or Numa?
0: Oh, I loved it. New, Numa, Nuna. I can't I, is it Nuna? Or Numa?
1: Uh, I I put it down here as Numa, but I am not sure. Okay. I'll call Numa. Numa. okay we'll call her Numa. The little Twi'lek girl. Yeah, we'll
0: go with Numa. A, a little, the little little Twilet girl. Little yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I I loved it. I I thought it was it was really cute and it was a lot a little bit of, you know, uh levity in a quite quite a dark story and ended that and you know that little subplot had its dark elements you know we saw her break down and cry when she was in her house and nobody was around and you know she had her little toy uh toy cat thing and, and then you know we saw that you know we saw waxer and boil you know really come around to her you know um, and you know, making their promises to help her and, and, and stuff, and she's calling them Nara, which we learned at the end of the episode means brother, which is a, a great reveal. I love that. It was such a sweet and, and touching moment there um, between those two. And, and and of course, there were some some you know funnier lines, like you know. Uh, 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 Boyle says his sister Waxer. Oh, good! You made a friend. Mission accomplished. <laughs> like this is the big thing we got to do here, and, and you know the part where she bites bites his finger. It was it was just a lot of fun, and it was, it was great to see that it was a great to see the clones, you know, showing their humanity because we we don't always see that. Sometimes they they can come across a bit as droid like with the sir yes sir and, and all that. You know, they're supposed to fall just follow orders, but it was nice to see them, you know, being friendly to the locals which uh considering they were calling them tailheads a few seconds Mm. ago um is is not not always the case well yeah
1: i I certainly like the perception of the clones in this particular arc uh mainly by how how they go about their business so to speak you can really see that as you said they're they're very benign uh they have i'm trying to get a word here They they have amicable relations with with the locals and that's obviously uh putting it I guess on a lighter side into how we'll later discuss how Chams and Dula actually views the clones. But yeah, I, I could I could really see how they're done, the older brothers looking after the younger sister in peril. And and it is good to see that you have that final line where you find out uh, Nera means brother and he really you know it goes to show how successful the, the, this arc is in itself, that you can really draw into this and accept that and uh that th- these guys are uh, developing a, a close a closer relationship and, and, and I, re- I really felt something uh towards those characters so, um, would you say you felt similar thoughts towards these characters
0: yeah yeah, definitely they they became you know they they, they go from just being clones who happen to have names to being waxer mm. and Boyle. You know they start off as just another member of the Republic Army, but by the end of it, you're you know everybody knows Waxer and Boyle. You know not everybody knows who, you know, kicks or or, or hard case or these guys are, um, but everybody knows Waxer and Boyle because they had this moment with Nuna so early on in the <laughs> series that it was it was made it very special, it, it, and I quite quite enjoyed it. Um, let's see, it was moving on a little bit. We see. uh we see the tactical droid use these creatures to attack the clones, and then there's this really cool scene where Obi-Wan just uses the Force to distract them all away and lures them into a, a dead end that just happens to have a bridge across it and it gets the clones to, to shoot, them de- shoot that down. I just thought that was such a cool sequence. I, I thought it was just re- really interesting to see the Force yeah. used in that way because that's not something we've ever seen uh, – on on screen before it was Mm -hmm. sort of like the jedi mind trick taken to the extreme although i guess these are extremely weak-minded creatures especially considering that the tactical droid was starving them yeah
1: exactly i I didn't exactly i wasn't able to ascertain what exactly that force power was was it a mind trick in your mind you're a mind trick
0: in your mind (laughs) yeah yeah,
1: it was a mind trick Uh,
0: it was a mind trick oh no Uh, i i i i thought it was it was sort of the same kind of idea as a mind trick um, but you know we obviously we're dealing with you know s- some big dumb stupid mm-hmm. animals um, versus you know where if you're using it on someone even as even people like stormtroopers or, or boss nas have more um, you know, intelligence <laughs> than these guys so it's it's just this yeah so it's just a slight thing like uh, you'll send this on away or these aren't the droids you're looking for you know it's whereas, there it's a slight thing, but these guys, you know, they have one thing that they're thinking about is well, well where am I going to get my next meal? And so Obi Wan is able to really tap into the, all of their minds at the same time, and you can see how hard he's yeah. concentrating. Um, and and so yeah, I, I think it's it may not necessarily be a mind trick, but it's the same kind of idea. It's a similar similar force power. We know we want is quite skilled with that. Oh yes, yeah,
1: certainly. <laughs> I, I would have to say I'll uh, pass my compliments on to Matt Wood in particular, and and David Accord because the the sound effects in that particular scene were re- oh, really yeah. made it, in my opinion, more than just the visuals. It was oh. so, it it, re- it really did like feel that the force was, was was coming out, and you could actually hear it. And and and, and to actually personify yeah. the force in that way is, is, is very impressive. Um, and it, it was it was as you said uh, what. Definitely worth mentioning because it was a very, very cool scene in that particular episode.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and jumping ahead a little bit, the sequence uh, with Mace Windu and the, the bridge being deactivated in yes. the third episode. Again, just incredible sound design. So hats off to, to Matt Wood and David Acor. These are some of the best episodes uh, you know, in terms of sound design. And that's saying something because they're all pretty <laughs> good. Uh, um, Let's see. Let's move on to the the third episode a little bit. I want to talk about Mace right. Windu uh, because there's a, we see Mace periodically throughout the other arcs, and he seems to be getting really impatient with everybody. Like in the first episode, Anakin and, and Obi Wan are kind of having a little bit of banter, and, and, and then Mace jumps in and he's like, you know, starts mm. giving orders and he's being a bit harsh to Anakin and all that stuff. And and, and whereas whereas Obi Wan was you know willing to just sort of you know. Oh, this is just another conversation with Anakin, you know, that kind of thing. And then in this arc, we see him hop on a chicken walker and and, and run uh, run off with the clones. And it really got me to think, and this is something I hadn't really considered before, uh, how much Mace is like mm. Anakin, which mm. is hard – which is it's just initially is something that you wouldn't think of because – They obviously have some kind of rivalry and you're not really sure if they like each other. You know, Mace didn't want to even let Anakin into the Order and he's always very critical of him. He's the one that wouldn't let him be a Jedi Master and and all of that stuff. But I kind of wonder if Mace, you know, sees a lot of himself, a lot of the part part of himself that he doesn't like in Anakin. Mm. And so he's trying to stifle it in Anakin because he knows, you know, what the consequences could be because maybe he's been down that path. But you know, you know, look at who the other Jedi that seems to lose their patience all the time is. That's Anakin, and who's the other only other Jedi we've really seen? You know, get on some kind of piece of machinery that shoots guns and 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 stuff like that is Anakin with, and he hops on the Staps in in the movie, Mm. and then in the uh, yeah. And then uh, in the uh, the Citadel arc, and, you know, we see other Jedi do that periodically. I mean, Obi-Wan used the gun in this, but not to the same way that, that Anakin and Mace do it, where they're really running around and, and, and jumping around and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So it really, you know, it's kind of ironic that, the, that Mace doesn't seem to like Anakin and he doesn't trust Anakin because he's so much like Anakin. And, and that's really what I thought this arc was <laughs> was really revealing. Uh, to me about, I, mean, I don't know. What do I mean, that's about? a great
1: hypothesis there, actually. I, I, I can I can totally see where you're coming from, and I, I'd probably, I've been enlightened right now, actually. <laughs> I think I'd agree with that, because, uh, yeah, I, I did wonder, there's always so much tension between those two characters on screen. Uh, it, as you said, it most, most in, fundamentally illustrated in the first film, when he just says, no, he's too old, he won't become a Jedi. Um, and yet... As you said, he, he often goes on his own endeavours, but also he he does like. He, I, I guess he he doesn't really follow the entire Jedi protocol uh, because you think about it. In Episode Two, um, I mean, he cuts off that Jango Fett's head, and you're like, "Well, hang on a minute, that's
0: quite yeah. <laughs> that's
1: quite dark, isn't it? Rather than just arrest him, okay, you're in the middle of a warfare incident, but you know it's quite dark still, cutting off his head. But uh, the one that resonates with me more is is the chancellor scene now obviously the jedi have been pushed to uh, pushed to the limit right now uh and he he i, I do agree with mace windu in fairness that he you can't you couldn't let sidious stay alive because of the power that he had and uh, oh, yeah. if if he if he uh drew, like withdrew his lights so even then sidious was going to kill him but it's just a way that oh, I, again hypocritical here the vanikins are going Com- Complain to Mace Windu that he should be following the Jedi protocol, but, yeah. but anyway, it's just it's, like, it's not the Jedi way. And you know, Windu was really, you know, and, and his face there more than anything else, his facial expression really are for conveyed anger. And I and, and I do actually agree with you in that in that regard. There's plenty of evidence for it, and in and in this particular arc as well. Um, He has very unconventional methods, right, Anakin? uh, Particularly, we'll probably get onto this later, but uh, when the bridge falls down and then he jumps up onto that droid speeder, uh, which is a very, very cool moment. And and, and in talking about sound effects, that's another great one. Um, When when that slow motion scene comes about, yeah, I, yeah, I I really, I really like that thesis. I I think I would agree with you on that. Uh, I think uh, first. <laughs> no,
0: no. Uh, I generally think that, uh,
1: that 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 could be a point as to why there's so much virulence between the two characters.
0: Yeah, I, I, it was something that that really just occurred to me while watching these episodes. Something I never thought of before. I always thought that they were like polar opposites, and that's why they hated each other. But I think it's it's you know it's one of those things that they they say the best villain is uh, you know is someone that the hero. You could see the hero being if they had just made a slight change in their life, and so you see that with Luke and Luke and Vader in in, uh, in the original trilogy, and you you of course see that in something like, like Sherlock and Moriarty, or, or you go through all kinds of villains and, and heroes, and that's kind of the or Thor and Loki. Mm. You know, you go through all kinds of heroes and villains, and that's the best kind. And so you kind of get that with Anakin and, and Mace, although. It's, they only really get to face off as as adversaries that one time in uh, in Palpatine's office, and even even that is just Anakin cutting off yeah. Mace's hand. And then the, re- the rest of the time, you know, they're they're supposed to be on the same side, but they're really clashing with each other. And I, I think. That Although, you if, you
1: wanna, if you do want if you do want to see well, an Anakin Mace fight, and then get Star Wars Episode Three game out, the video game, that was the longest yeah. <laughs> yeah. fight I'd ever played in my life between those two characters. Like, <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, it's exactly. not even in the film. <laughs> I
1: don't remember Anakin. But anyway, we're we'll, we're digressing again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So so yeah. So that's something that i as we continue to to watch this series, especially towards the end of season of season two episodes, like with the the Zillow Beast and and the Anakin or the and the Boba Fett stuff where we see anakin and mace together a lot oh
1: yeah no i think at the end of the season too we don't see mace windu that much that's that is really the uh i guess not necessarily disappointing us well no i'm going to say disappointing aspect because i think mace windu is really an underused character we've probably mentioned this before but not just in the clone wars but particularly in the films when you've got an actor like samuel L. jackson he 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 needs to be playing more than just (laughs) a, a minor character in my opinion i think uh He's certainly, in comparison, I guess, to the other Jedi Council, he played a major character, but because he actually got to speak. But uh,
0: yeah, I, 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 I'm going to disagree with you on that right. just a little bit because we, we've we've seen in in the original trilogy they got these like big well-known actors in, in Sir Alec Guinness and Peter Cushing to play supporting characters, you know, Obi Wan Kenobi and. Uh, grand moff tarkin and so i think that, that sam jackson was kind of the, the peter cushing or the alec guinness of the, of yeah,
1: the but didn't they trilogy? have a larger role really peter cushing and alec guinness i just feel uh samuel l jackson I didn't do yeah, much, I mean, particularly I, I... in the first film he just sat on the council and and and, and talked in fairness he didn't he did get out and use his lightsaber and 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 <laughs> in the two films at
0: least it's, it's... Uh, yeah, in three, in three, I think he had a, in Revenge of the Sith. I think he had a pretty pretty major role. I mean, he goes trying trying to try and, try and, uh, arrest the Chancellor, and or, and then is really willing to kill Palpatine, which is the straw that breaks Anakin's back and makes him turn into no, Darth no, Vader.
1: No, okay. no, I'll, I'll agree with you. I concede to the Dominic. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's just. I, I guess <laughs> for
0: those for those of you keeping score at home, it's Dominic two, Kieran zero. Um... Um... <laughs>
1: The Mace window. I just. I. I don't necessarily. Like how how he's portrayed in the film, I think I, mean, I, I think it's, I sure, think that's probably sure, the main yeah. aspect. <laughs> because whenever I remember him, I remember him briefly, but he's usually sniping at Anakin or or he's saying he sounds really inept in Episode Three. Um, he doesn't sound inept in this arc, but he does yeah. in Episode Three when he goes and says, "I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi." Now, for those of you, <laughs> <laughs> <just like> about <laughs> for those of time. you who haven't seen the bonus content, watch it. But when you watch the bonus content, that line. F- further holds little substance in my opinion <laughs> how, how he only just realises <laughs> then that there's a plot to destroy the Jedi well, well done mate <laughs> Bravo. that, that should yeah. be the response yeah. from the other council <laughs> Yoda just giving a little clap <laughs> yeah
0: the this, this golf, golf
1: clap that's probably what the oh, audience man. are doing more than the characters but we're definitely like
0: what if only just sent it
1: now but anyway
0: it's been going on for three movies in 12 years! Anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's talk a bit about... We've talked about some really great, competent villains uh, in the first two episodes of uh, of this arc. Let's talk about <laughs> an incompetent one. Watt Tambor, um, leader of the Techno Union. Uh, and he's, you know, he's really obsessed, obsessed with, you know, getting... with being rich, and he wants all the treasure from, from Rylov, and he won't leave until he gets it all, and you know, he winds up getting caught by Mace Windu and Champs and Dula. It was, uh, you know, mm. he, he kind of did himself in. I mean, what do you think of what Taylor yeah, in this he, arc? How,
1: how you demonstrated his, his characteristics there, he definitely was greedy, he... he, he... He saw the symbol of wealth as that that sign of importance. And I don't blame him. When you find the Lost Ark down in Ryloth, then I'd be quite happy to have that as well. Because uh, you see that, he that gets taken on the ship. <laughs> so uh, I don't blame him for taking that. I would do. But uh, I guess if he opens it, he's in big trouble. But anyway, um, good Indiana Jones fans hopefully get that reference. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, it's lost. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I feel that... he. Particularly when they put Dooku beside him as well, and I have to say I like Dooku in this episode uh, even though he only has a brief Mm -hmm. appearance, and once again hologram form, that is where he has been put down to now. Um, But I I just feel that Oh, I'm trying to think one of his lines. Oh, I don't really exactly want to say it because I might have that as my quote, but uh, it's just when he's talking with Wat Tambor, it, he gets so angry and it makes him seem so incompetent. He says something like, "Why haven't you left the capital yet?" I mean, it's obvious Mace Windu's on his way down there. Surely you would want to leave, but he's so greedy. He wants to get that last bit of treasure on before he goes. And I quite like then the uh, the contrast with the tactical droid <laughs> when. Uh, when he he, yeah. he is the one who is competent, which is quite interesting when you see that he's the droid and supposedly the inferior. Um, I hope I, I hope I haven't stolen a line yeah. here, but I like when he goes says Tambor's a fool when he's about to get on that ship, and you just <laughs> like he is. Why why is he taken so long to evacuate? Yeah. I don't understand it, and and it's really in that last episode that you get that impression because, or at least you get the impression before that he's a little bit wimpy. I guess. Uh, uh, Coin in that <laughs> phrase there, but he, he is a little bit apprehensive about it all. But I, he really doesn't seem to be that malevolent type, and uh, and he probably deserves to be captured at the end. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, <laughs> the yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, he was. He was a wimp, and he wasn't a great villain to be honest. I, he was, you know, he was there, and he was supported by people like Martuk and, and the tax, tactical droid, and that's why he was able to to last so long. But you know, if, if he had been there and in control completely, then he would have. I, I think this would have been a much much quicker arc. You know, a one off yeah, yeah, yeah. episode, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know he's just foolish, he's blinded by greed, and you know he, he was. <laughs> you know a bit anticlimactic after the the great mm-hmm. villains we'd had in the in the, the previous arcs uh, not to say that the end of this episode was anticlimactic in any stretch of the imagination because it was great it was a great final showdown on ryloth and you know we had all the uh you know we had the you know the coming together of the freedom fighters and the jedi and it was there's it was, it was all kinds of great stuff like that but uh, mm-hmm. in terms of a villain you know Wat tambor not the greatest but you know He's the leader of the Techno Union. He's not a, a warrior, so you can't really blame him. You know, it's kind of silly that the, that the separatists just put these you know these bankers and these you know these CEOs <laughs> out there as these like big war leaders and instead and expect them to be successful. Uh, but you know, so yeah, Wat Tambor, it gets uh, you know last place for villain of uh, of this arc uh let's let's talk about Champs and Dula. we 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 of course met of course met him back in the episode supply lines uh where he was fighting alongside jedi master i'm a gun did not, well, not well, didn't it? um yeah. oh yeah <laughs> and, and in this arc we see uh him having to come together again with the jedi um and you know he clearly is is you know is still hurting from you know his perceived abandonment by the republic Republic in that episode, um, and he's not willing to work with Mace. He doesn't want to work with uh, Ornfri uh He's just—he doesn't want to work with with anybody. He seemed to almost be, be willing to just let the separate. Uh, it was only until the Separatists started bombing their cities for no reason that he was ready to finally work together and so uh, what did you think of, of cham of seeing him again or, or seeing him again for <laughs> yeah, the first time. it's so
1: confusing <laughs> if you went back obviously we have to see this initial. well we have to see this in the chronological order than we have seen it before but when i first saw him we didn't yeah it's really confusing anyway um yeah with chompson dude like, i think i i sympathize with his motivations a lot more though having seen the supply lines because he actually says that he he's yeah. states the Republic abandoned him he didn't necessarily blame it on the Jedi who were with him um, I'd like to think that perhaps he, he, he has actually uh, resolved that dispute with with, with that particular Jedi and, and, and the clones and can see their valour but clearly he, he then sees Mace Windu and the other clones as representing the other you know the, the big Republic the, that, that wasn't there to help them uh, so I, I can totally see where he's coming from there and obviously he's he's concerned about about the republic's aims and intentions with their uh armed forces in Rylov because i think we, we'll have to discuss this quote uh probably good to bring it out now actually when he says another armed occupation is not a free ride-off, and uh there's a lot of foreshadowing there uh of, uh, of the empire when that comes around but i i, I certainly oh, yeah. <laughs> i can certainly understand his perspective and it's good because we are being introduced to the certain characters or bands of, of uh of, of species who are very much challenging the notion jedi are all good are all peaceful that are the peacekeepers of the galaxy we've had that with the lerman uh relatively introduced mm-hmm. in the um, trespass episode I would argue but this one in particular he really does make that point there with that with that quote of stating that the Jedi are not necessarily peacekeepers so so what's your take on that line I think it's good time to bring it up now
0: yeah yeah no it, it's a, it's a it's a fascinating line it's one that I wrote down as well uh, and and the whole you know how long yeah. before I'm fighting you master Jedi you know it, it It really, you know, in season one was very much about setting up the the idea that there are people in the galaxy who don't hold a very high opinion of the Jedi or the clones, and so that it would get to the point where somebody in season five would be willing to bomb the temple. Although, of course, that turned out to be an inside job, sort of. And, And then the idea that you know, when Palpatine declares that the Jedi turned against him, people are willing to believe that, and therefore the Empire is formed. So yeah, So season one definitely was a lot about setting that up and this is just mm-hmm. another example of that and we see that you know, Champs and Doola is, is not really, you know, he, he doesn't want the clones to stick around. He doesn't want Mace to stick around. He wants, he's he's okay with working with them as long as they're going to leave and let the people of Ryloth go about their business as soon as, uh, as soon as, you know, the droids are gone and, you know, he's able to make that deal with Mace and Ornfrita. And it, it, you know, it, you know, like I said, it, it sets up the the ideas that'll come to play, uh, come to play big time in, in the later seasons. And yeah, so
1: that's third element there that uh, we did, we didn't see as much in the first season, but there were, as we said, and, and as you said, there have been uh, examples, brief examples with with the Lerman, but. Uh, also, we get the element of the pacifists, I guess, when we later see that with Satine and, and all of her fellow senators. And it, I think it's good, actually, because it's it's a great way to introduce, now I can look back in hindsight, when we start to see uh, episodes such as heroes on both sides, rather than throwing that all at us straight away and thinking, oh, oh, hang on a minute, there's actually good, there's, there's, well, there's pacifists, <laughs> hang on a minute. We're being slowly, slowly integrated yeah. into the notion of these... Groups uh, actually exist, and I think that that's kind of what you get here. It's not, obviously it's a bit different because these are freedom fighters. Like they're like the Robin Hood band, I guess, uh, uh, of Sherwood yeah. Forest, <laughs> which is in the uh, forests of Rylov instead. So, or the caves of Ryloth. Um yeah. So, I, I think I think is is it, that whole statement there is it, important though because it, it really gives the impression that if you want to remain a sovereign state, then if you have an armed force is stationed in, on your planet that isn't yours, surely that is in a way for an invasion so I, I completely see his point yeah. of view there and um, they, it, it says at the end Well, they say they agree to it but um, it, it I guess for Palpatine it, I don't know exactly how, how we would get around it but I'm sure the clones would be stationed there for a time that's what, Mace Wind, that's what Mace Windu said but we have to remember that this war doesn't go on for too long so uh, <laughs> they probably were stationed there until the end of the war That's uh, yeah I think that's a really really interesting line yeah,
0: yeah absolutely it, it's, a, it's a fascinating line and it, it sets up some things that we'll see come into play later on in the in the Star Wars saga. Uh, one more thing I wanna mention in this episode. Uh, you know, since the last time we we watched a Ryloth episode for, for this show, so much has happened in Star Wars, including the reveal that one of the characters for the upcoming animated series, Star Wars Rebels, is named Hera Syndulla. So I don't know about you, but I spent a good deal of time, anytime there was a whole bunch of Freedom Fighters together, looking for a green <laughs> female Twi'lek in there, just looking for, to see if we could get our first glimpse of Hera uh, running around in there. Because at first, at first we thought it was her daughter, do- um Cham's daughter, at least that's what I assumed when I first heard the name, and then... You know, once we started to get the actual description of her and we saw the video and stuff, I'm kind of thinking maybe it's more his sister or his wife or something like that. So I was looking for a, a green mm. female, female. Well, female. I'm not sure because
1: obviously we're in a, this a new generation with uh, between episode three and four. I'd think perhaps more daughter. Uh, she might be a young.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe it's like a, yeah. an older daughter. You know, I you know she, it wouldn't be like one of the because little kids, but it would be somebody who's maybe Be twin
1: something. sister or something.
0: That's yes. where Numa fits into all of this
1: in this grand scheme of the Sindula family tree. That's what—that's what we've been missing. Yes. Uh, no, but I'm—I'm I, I'm sure there must, must be a relation be. between the two characters, because
0: I—I I, oh, I, I don't understand
1: otherwise why you would—you would put that out there when you—they you, must know what Star Wars fans are like. We're going to take everything <laughs> that's given to us and analyze it. So. I'm sure it's been put there on purpose and uh, and she is a female Twi'lek so there's clearly that relation there. Uh, I think it'd be cool but um, I, I'll i be interested to see then her backstory more than anything else uh, uh, how this relates to Chance and Dula. Yeah. Again, it's just just introducing characters like that already amplifies uh, the interest of, of, of this character, Cham Syndulla, because he's suddenly been involved in not just the Clone Wars, but even if he's in the backstory in Rebels, he's he's suddenly everywhere. And uh, I do think that he is a cool character, and, and he, he, get, he doesn't get that much screen time, two episodes, but uh, obviously he can't spend too long on it. But it it, it, was, it was good when we... <laughs> having to go back when we first saw these when we saw him again in supply lines uh, <laughs> it was it was a good callback to actually see uh Cham and and what he was like before this and uh so i i mean i guess a final point on, on the Cham Sindula side of it do you well I, I, well first of all you can uh, answer about the uh the relation between uh Hera and uh Cham. but also um do you think uh as we go back and uh, look at champs and Dula's past that you can appreciate more his character from from seeing supply lines as a as a pre prequel so to speak to these
0: yeah definitely I, I think uh, you know we understand why he hates the Jedi more and you know it, it's not just a you know just I hate Jedi I don't want to work with Jedi thing it's it's there's a reason you know he felt Abandoned, and the last time he worked with the Jedi, things didn't really work out. They were still in a pretty bad situation, and you know things just kept getting worse and worse on Ryloth, and so it, it quite clear, you know, it, it makes sense to to me that he wouldn't necessarily want to work with the Jedi again right away, and you know, yeah, he probably had some of the fur some of the same, uh, you know concerns that he expresses in this episode before he started working with with, Ma- with Master Dai and and Captain Keeley, but he may not have brought those to the surface right away because he thought, okay, well, the Jedi are here and they'll just help us get rid of the droids, but at once that failed and he felt abandoned, then those feelings started to get, you know, you know, start to build up as well, and so then by the time Mace shows up, he's not really wanting to work yeah. with uh, with the Jedi and the Republic anymore. And then, and yeah, I, I think I, I definitely think there's some kind of relationship between Cham and Hera, Hera. and I wouldn't be surprised if when we see uh, Hera in episode or in Rebels that she'll that that you know Cham has died or something like that, you know, like and that she joined the rebellion or she left Ryloth because of this um, and to fight and is fighting the Empire because of this um, to to honor the memory of her father or whoever um, he turns out to be for her. Um... So, yeah, so that's uh, that's what I have for, for these episodes. Do you have any uh, uh questions? Just one final
1: point is uh, what, what, what do you take uh, from in the in the final part of this arc with uh, Count Dooku uh, when he discusses uh, a new tactic of warfare, I guess, having to bomb civilians, uh, using it as a propaganda warfare? Yeah. I thought that was so- a really cool notion, and uh, it really, again, conveys uh, the, ma- the manipulative... Uh, uh, strategy of, of the separatists and and palpatine himself that it doesn't matter what happens there's a, there's a victory for, for him regardless of what happens but what, what did you take from adding that new element in maybe just your thoughts really is what I, i'm looking to glean from
0: yeah yeah it's it's, a, it's it's an interesting idea that you know that you can turn it against the turn the jedi against uh, themselves by saying you know oh, the jedi are going to come here Well, you know, if you're going to side with the Jedi, well, then you're opening yourself up to separatist bombings, and you know we can do this really quickly. I mean, they weren't able to stop us; we we got in there and and took out this city, Um, and that's kind of what happens to the you know if you side with the Jedi. And it's kind of what Lot Dodd was saying back in, in season, or back in the supply lines when. You know, he was saying that if if Toydaria sides with the Republic, then that opens up trade Federation ships to attacks from the Separatists. Of course, that's a mm-hmm. whole big smokescreen from him. Uh, but it, it turns out, but you know, it, it could be that's the idea that they're using here. That you know, they, they let they're letting people know that you know, if you're going to side with the Jedi, you have to be ready. That we could be coming uh, to to bomb you, and and it's just a very uh, dark and an evil and a, and a you know fear mongering tactic, but. Yeah, you know, yeah you could see how it would be effective yeah i think uh, so what you i think, think of
1: the of propaganda it? warfare is a very very cool element and uh i could see how that would work in the separatists favor to be honest because obviously it means that they may yeah. have lost the planet due to inept leadership such as for example but uh they are able to actually profit <laughs> something as a consequence and they weren't far off from actually completing their objective because their, their bombers were were ready to blow the capital with mace windu and and the Jedi uh, and then the uh, freedom fighters.
0: So I think it was
1: a very, very cool tactic. And uh, again, it just adds to that dark nature that this arc really represents. And and that whole myth really, that this is a kid's show, it really is dispelled in this first season, because I know a lot of people do refer back to, this is kind of an overarching season one view here that they, 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 they say that season. Oh yeah, that was when we had the kiddie episodes. Well, I don't think so. I think, I think, based on what we've uh, <laughs> seen and discussed so far in these arcs, there really hasn't been that many. It's all been quite, you know, serious. And in this one, I think it takes it to a new level.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no. Season one, there are kiddie elements to it, like Commander Ahsoka, or or earlier episodes like the the Blue Shadow Virus. Some of the stuff in the Blue Shadow Virus, or even in Defenders of Peace. You know, there's some some mature concepts but they're still very kid-friendly episodes um but yeah you know it's, it's not until season two where we really start to see where, where things you know it's this this arc and then mm-hmm. um, hostage crisis and then stuff in season two like you know, suicide <laughs> exactly. bombings um that thing, where things get really really dark um, so yeah. so uh, with that, let's move on to a uh, favorite quote or quotes uh, from this episode. Uh, Kieran, do you have a fav- favorite one? from? from yeah, your, I'll, your I think there's so many. I'm going
1: to have to choose one from each episode. I think it's ha- is how I'm going to go about this. <laughs> um, uh, every time okay. I do this, I'm never organized enough because I've got too many quotes here. So I'm going to throw it to you, Dominic, and you could do the first quote.
0: All right. So I, I, I I'll go with – I've got – I'll also do one from each episode. So my, my favorite from the first one, which would be "Storm Over Ryloth," uh, was a line from Yularen when he says to Anakin about Ahsoka, uh, "Did you train her not to follow orders?" I just thought that was, uh, that was a pretty, pretty uh, smart and funny line. It kind of points out what we're all thinking, you know, with the whole "Do as I say, not as I do" uh, Anakin Ahsoka relationship. Um, and then for the second episode, uh, it would be a line from one of the battle droids, which I think is a first for me. Um, when the droid is cleaning the the, uh, the cage where they kept the um, the creatures, and he says, Yep, this is about the worst job in the droid <laughs> army. It was just a moment of, you know, humanness, and, and, you know, let's be honest, if we had that job, that's what we'd all be thinking. And then uh, I'll go with a serious one for the third third episode, and we mentioned this a second ago. It's uh, how long before I'm fighting you, Master Jedi, uh, from Champs and Duel. I just thought that was a very it was a smart and... Uh, uh, a absolutely <laughs> and i've now got my quotes at the ready
1: uh we'll start i'll start off with storm over i i think uh i've got quite a lot of comedic ones but this one made me laugh when uh Martuk is talking with the droid and they're talking about anakin skywalker and the droid goes and says the ship is heavily damaged all power to the forward shields there is only one life form on board and then he goes and says what and then he goes and repeats the same thing and he says no you insolent scraphead and it's <laughs> a typical droid answer there i guess but uh i thought oh dear poor poor droid right the second one and this is one from the tactical droid i quite like this one when uh he goes and says uh in relate, I think uh, he's, when he's talking with hologram form of what with what Tambor, and the and the tactical droid says the chances of success are seven hundred forty two to one. And then Tambor says you had better be right. And he says I am a <laughs> droid. I am always right. And then he gets killed off at the end of the episode. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and then the final one I've got is uh, all right, like final two. <laughs> all right, I've got a serious and a comedic one. A serious <laughs> one. I, I like Sindula's line when he says uh rallying the troops it says men are right off the time has come to free ourselves i thought that was a very good line i think the, the best one i thought was when yeah, the droid is controlling line. that bridge and he says deactivate the bridge and the other one says oh well too bad for them <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great droid oh, man humor. good stuff good stuff yeah there was actually some good droid humor in, the, in this arc i will say no uh and yeah. it wasn't just incompetence which was nice um so, yeah so uh that'll about wrap things up for this episode uh karen uh, let's hear your final thoughts, on thoughts of the of right off,
1: well, i'm gonna give this arc a score nine out of ten i reckon nine out of ten because i i think it's a very very good art nice. and uh as, as i alluded to earlier my initial thoughts really haven't changed i thought it was definitely a standout arc of season one and it's certainly one that I look forward to whenever I'm I'm watching back these episodes now in chronological order anyway but uh, I, I really do think there's so, so much good stuff in here and we, we made a mention a bit earlier but uh, the, the sound effects are absolutely fantastic in this art the music is great the animation has really stepped up a gear and I think you can really you can really see that when you look at the epic scale the scale of the fighting really in my opinion amplified immensely in this and i think it is one of the first arcs that really matches i guess the the scale that was used in in the movie because obviously you had to tone it down a bit maybe for budget reasons but i just thought it was it really felt like a massive planetary invasion and uh, um, i i really feel that overall this arc Character well, all, all of the major themes that we've discussed. We spent nearly an hour and a half talking about it. Uh, I can't, I can't really say a bad word about it. I can't <laughs> give it a ten out of ten, only for the sole reason that I think there are better arcs out there. But that is the only reason. Dominic, final words.
0: But yeah, I'm gonna give this one an eight. I uh, really, really enjoyed it. It was so much fun stuff. Uh, I, you know, like you said, the sound design was incredible. The, the visuals were stunning. We had some great, great action that was, it was always fun to see, and some great character moments, and uh, some, you know, some, and it, you know, made me think about things in the Star Wars saga differently than when I did before, and, and that's what I really loved when the Clone Wars does that. Um, you know just, you know there's there's so many good arcs coming up that I, I just don't know if I can give the, the nine or, or a yeah. ten out of ten on, on this one it was but it's it quite quite good um, possibly the best <laughs> arc of the of season one and uh, it's very very good uh, so yeah so thank you everybody for listening don't forget you can listen to this show every other Tuesday of course this one will be going up on Wednesday unfortunately just due to uh, schedule issues but usually every other Tuesday so we'll be back in Two weeks' time talking about the yes. uh Cad Bane arc from the beginning of season two. So that is Holocron Heist. Um, Cargo what of Doom. The second one called. And Children of the Force. <laughs> Cargo of Doom. Children of the Force. So yeah, so those those are the three that are coming up next. I know what you're thinking, but Dominic! Dominic, the next arc of the next episode. Is, uh, is, is Hostage Crisis. Well, we're going, remember, we're going in chronological order, so Hostage Crisis will come later. We will get to that at some point. Don't worry about that. Um, you can email us your thoughts on those episodes or these episodes uh, by sending an email to clonewarstrikesback at gmail.com and we might just read that on the show. You can like us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Back, or by just searching the Clone War Strikes Back. Follow us on Twitter at tcwstrikesback. And then you can subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld podcast feed on iTunes. That way you'll never miss an episode of this show or the SW podcast. And feel free to leave a review of this show or the SW podcast. We always love to uh, to know what you guys think. You can listen to the next episode of the Star Wars Underworld podcast this Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. We'll be talking about the Clovis arc from the bonus content looking forward that and like i said at the beginning of the show you can listen to uh last week's uh episode with stephen stanton matt wood and where we talked about the order 66 art from season six um, and you can find those at starwarsunderworld.com or um the itunes feed karen what is happening expression FM. expression, brilliant
1: I, I haven't had to jump in this time <laughs> i usually muck this bit up but <laughs> um, we've actually got something quite big coming up. There is a, uh, an expression football charity match. So Why we're nice. going for something called the Adam Stansfield Foundation. Uh, we're looking to help uh, poor children in need. And uh, we, we would love any support that you guys can, can, ha- uh, can do, uh, whether that be donations or whether that would just be to send kind words down to the charity. It would be much appreciated. And there has been a lot of... Uh, uh, footage released recently, particularly uh, the crossbar challenge video. So, uh, that has been released on my profile, uh, and uh, that is uh, involving some funny dance moves. Because uh, basically, we, we have to shoot and try and hit the crossbar. <laughs> if we miss, we have to do a five second dance, and we put song choice, uh, put our own song nice. choice ab- above it. And there are some uh, well known classical songs, such as Barbie Girl and uh, Hits Don't Lie. Uh, so if you, if, if, you, if you want to watch five minutes of fun, then that is what I would recommend. But anyway, I'll quickly wrap this up. But if you want to listen to Expression FM, you can do so. Go on www.expressionfm.info. I will put any updates on my Facebook page when they come around. You can follow us on uh, at Expression FM. And you can also Facebook, slash ExpressionFM. Those are the best formats I would recommend for you guys to find us. And uh, now I'll pass back to Dominic. Thank you very much. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at DominicJ25. And you can follow Kieran uh, at Duggan. right? C. Duggan says <laughs> on Twitter. I have to add that to the notes, too. Um, <laughs> between shows, you can hit up starwarsunderworld.com, although we are having some problems with the the URL right now, so if, if, for the time being, you should probably try starwarsunderworld.blogspot.com or, or .ca or uk or wherever you are in the world, just use your, your typical um, ending to a website, and it will take you to the website. Uh, we're trying to get the the real URL back up sooner rather than later, but for the time being, that's... the the link to use. Uh, And that's where you go for the latest breaking Star Wars news. We just before this we started recording we had some episode 7 news break. Um, There'll be all kinds of news about Rebels. Uh, Any more stuff about that Clone Wars Darth Maul comic that's coming up. And you can also find out about the Thank the Clone Wars campaign there. Uh, So be sure you do that. Uh, Thank you everybody for listening and may the Force be with you.